Hello and welcome to another episode of the CG Garage. This is episode number 383, featuring the amazing, the wonderful, the kindest person in the world. He's really silly, super, super kind, never without a smile. His name is Mark Morissette, and he is the owner, director, and visual effects supervisor over at Cluster, uh, which is uh, really great. I met Mark uh, back in the day over at DD, as a lot of people on this podcast have sort of come through that, that those doors, but... It was really great to catch up with Mark and find out what it's like to start your own business and the the the, the pains and and the challenges and the, the rewards you get in doing that. So it's really awesome to talk to him uh, and find out what's going on. Kristen, what did you think of Mark? Yeah, so we just get to hear how he started off in the industry. Um, he actually started studying aircraft manufacturing, um, mm -hmm. and then um, he worked on the software and realized he did love animation and modeling and found out you could get paid to do that. So then he went off, um, and he's done everything from like lighting artists, flame, digital compositor, VFX soup, um, and now owner of his own company with his brothers. So mm -hmm. um, that's kind of fun to hear about. Um, and he's also just in the past worked on like iRobot, Transformers, Speed Racer, and then Lost in Space TV series. And those are just a few, like his IMDb is huge. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, he's been super busy. Um, and we also get to hear how he's adapted during the pandemic with his company. Kind of, they almost thought maybe they would go under, but kind of kept persevering. So that's just an interesting story. And then, of course, at the end, you guys touch on like Unreal, virtual production, real-time technology, and just how this will like increase the speed of the post-production process. So get a lot in this podcast. It's great. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Marcus, Marcus, as I said, is a really amazing person, a great, a great kind person. Um, it's really interesting to see that he is, he is uh, from Quebec and he lives in uh, Montreal. And it's just really kind of cool to see uh, you know, what, what's going on over there as well, because I've always been, I've actually wanted to go back to Montreal and, and visit. So it'd be great to, to see if I can catch up with Mark one day when I go back up there. Anyway, we've got a couple of big announcements. Uh, the first one I want to want to say it's officially out. As of uh, last week, uh, uh, you can, all this information is available on chaos.com, but V-Ray 6 for 3DS Max is out, uh, and it has a ton of new features, including a new procedural cloud system for, some, for, our, for our skies, geometric pattern tools, new scatter tools. Uh, you can do uh, decals on uh, with displacements. You can. There's a new hierarchy system for the proxies, uh, and there's a lot, a lot of new stuff. So go check it out. Go to chaos.com and check out everything that's new in V-Ray 6 for 3ds Max. And before you start asking when is it going to be available for SketchUp or Rhino or Maya or whatever, all of that is coming. Uh, and first, they'll be released as a public beta, and then our private beta. Usually, we have a couple of people trying our private beta, and then it goes to a public beta, which if you have a license, you're free to try the beta. Uh, and then, uh, obviously, it becomes a release project. So just go to chaos.com and check it out, and keep, stay in touch with all of us to find out when the next V-Ray 6 release will be coming. Okay, we've got a couple of events. Kristen, what's going on? Yeah, so you can find these out at chaos.com slash events. The first one will be, um, I think it'll actually be this week, July 15th. Um, and Chaos will be hosting a special live stream on Bilibili. I can't say that word for some reason. Yeah. Um, <laughs> to learn what's new in V-Ray 6 for 3DS Max and how to apply it for to your workflow. Um, mm -hmm. And then on July 28th, we will have a free rep webinar. Um, and this will be about creating detailed exteriors in no time with V-Ray 6. So you can explore 
explore the unexplored with the new features in V-Ray 6. So again, chaos.com slash events to find more about these events. <laughs> That's right. Okay. So again, those dates are going to be July 15th and July 28th. If you're interested in any of those, just go to chaos.com slash events. Okay. If people uh, would like to know more about the podcast, Kristen, where can they go? You can go to facebook.com slash chaos. CG, oh my gosh, <laughs> facebook.com slash CG Garage Podcast or chaos.com slash CG Garage. And if you'd like to watch us, go to youtube.com slash chaos group TV. Perfect. And if you guys have ideas of podcasts or you have comments on this one or anything else, just email us labs at chaos.com. What's going on, Kristen? You have, you've said it like 300 times in the past. I know. How did you miss it this time? <laughs> it right. looked different. <laughs> it looked different. Okay, cool. Uh, and of course, if you guys want to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, that's always appreciated. And don't forget to give us a rating. And of course, share us with all of your friends and family. But for now, please enjoy episode number 383 with Mark Morissette. Welcome to another CG Garage, where the chaos group talks. You'll know it's over when the last bucket drops. We're gonna fire off rays in high dynamic range. We know that ambient occlusion is passe. Global illumination won't lead you astray. And while image-based lighting is really swell, you need to make sure everything has for now. How you been, man? What's going on? How oh are things? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> yeah? Are yeah. you busy? So, uh, extremely. Extremely busy. And, oh yeah. We're actually, I'm now, uh, my small team is now up to seven full st- full time. And we're 10 with uh, some uh, devs re- that are writing tools for us. So it's... Uh, it's growing slowly, my company. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, that's cool. I, so we want to definitely get to your to your company and figure out how, how that all started. But um, I think what would be good to start with is to let people know, like, what, what sort of got you into the industry? Like, what, what was the thing sure. that got you into the movie industry? Like, what inspired you? Well, actually, the uh, are we starting yet? Yeah, we already started. <laughs> okay, okay. Sorry, I apologize. So yeah, so basically, I was uh, studying aircraft manufacturing. Really? And yeah, that. So I got I got a degree in that. Uh, so basically, while I was doing that, it was a three year program, and uh, I discovered like AutoCAD, and uh, so I purchased my first computer, and basically the computer came with. Uh, softwares <laughs> uh-huh. so uh, uh and that included the 3d studio version 2 i think back in the day so i basically in DOS. got my in, in dos yeah right yep. so i basically started uh, that was back in 90 wow 94 no 93 or yeah. 94 yeah, yeah. version yeah, 2 exactly. was about 93 yeah yeah so, so basically i started uh, doing playing with that and uh Instead of doing my actual homework, I started doing doing uh, animation and stuff and building like modeling. I got a, a 3D Studio Bible and and just going through and discovering what uh, could be done with that. So that was pretty interesting. But at one point, I was uh, halfway through my uh, aircraft manufacturing course and uh, basically decided to just, oh my god, this is I want to do the other stuff. And I actually saw a. Uh, television interview from uh, one of uh, Montreal's uh, artists, uh, Marjolaine Tremblay, 
Mm-hmm. And uh, basically, she was an animator on Jumanji and wa- watching the actual like uh, television uh, uh, interview, I was like, wait a minute, there's people paid to actually do <laughs> what I do like on my spare time. So uh-huh. I basically went, oh, I want to do that. So basically, the half of the, the other half of my course was finishing the course. Yep. And uh, basically trying to see how I could get into that particular field. So um, I did multiple uh, things, but I ended up anyways applying to the uh, NAD Center, which is the National Animation and Design uh, Center in Montreal, where uh, basically it was the first uh, soft image school. So that was right. the, tra- the, the first original uh, training center. So I did right. that particular course and... Um, I did that. It was an eight months in, intensive because there was no actual like uh, bachelors beside maybe a Savannah or, or other ones. So there weren't that many uh, courses available uh, during those years. So I basically finished an ad in, I think, 98 or 99. And from there, got my first uh, gig as a lighting artist on a television show. And from in there, Montreal? I, in Montreal, uh, it was a uh, show called Excalibur, which was, you know, full CG, but for the time it was actually <laughs> pretty, uh, pretty avant-garde for, for yeah. the time. And um, I went th- from there, but my main focus was really compositing. I wanted to really focus on compositing, but having that lighting background, I think uh, it helped me uh, throughout those, uh, those years uh, as an artist in general. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, especially because lighters, if you are if you have a lighter and you go to, you know how to communicate with lighters better. <laughs> Which uh, I use really well throughout the years. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep, yep, so, yep, for sure. For sure. Yeah, so so from there I did a few uh, companies in Montreal and then I also went to uh, Massachusetts to work at, uh, at the time it was called the uh, Kleiser Walzak. Mm-hmm. So I did work on a, uh, like a, uh, a motion ride for them. Uh, which I was a lighter on Maya because that particular show I was mentioning was on Maya. So I went from learning soft image to relearning Maya and then move, moving on uh, towards that again as a lighting artist. And uh, so I, I basically did a few back and forth between Montreal and uh, Massachusetts, then came back and left for uh That's where you Australia. met Pat Finley, right? Yeah, that, exactly. That's where right. I met Pat, Mike Comley and all those guys. So yeah. it was a, uh, a pr- pretty fun time we would uh, do uh, work during the day snowboard and and drink during the night and start <laughs> over the next day right i'm saying that it wasn't that bad but uh, no it was great and the, the, the friendship we formed back then was uh, pretty fun right and uh, so then i went anyways went to uh, australia to do a gig on ghost ship at uh, photon vfx at one point came back to montreal send out resumes and, and uh, to, you know, my, my usual every six months, ILM, digital domain and, and whatnot. And uh, at one point, digital domain, after sending my real three months, uh, you know, back, they, they called me and I packed my stuff. And with uh, my girlfriend at the time, we just packed everything in a van that I just bought and we just rolled through uh, the States uh, from Montreal to L.A., Wow. And uh, that's where I, you know, met all of you guys at uh, Digital Domain. And from there, it was uh, yeah. So I guess five, five years. Your first show, your first show was, I wrote, no, was Day After Tomorrow? Were you on Day? Or no. No, I was on uh, Peter Pan. You were on Peter Pan. First show that's was right. Peter Pan, yeah. 
So basically it was a one one day and a half of here's Nuke. And yes, yep. you deliver shots by Friday. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> so so that was a uh, fun times, but it, it was great. Actually, uh, those years were um, were really, uh, I think it, it, it was one of the, the best time. I think the crew at the time, and I think, you know, Af being like the old guard and, and new people coming in, I think uh, after like two and, and two to three years, it really formed something that... Uh, you know, I think everybody pings each other once in a while, uh, either on yeah. social media or whatever. So it's it was really fun uh, meeting you, and uh, you know, yep. it was a great time. It's interesting. I mean, I just I just had a conversation with uh, um, Adam Sidwell. Do you remember Adam Sidwell? By name, he was uh, he was a TD. He was a character TD on iRobot, and he did a bunch okay. of stuff. You don't, you you're right. Yeah, and so yeah. he he was one of those. Remember, there was a, a bunch of guys that came from Utah. There was a bunch from uh, uh, that were there were there came anyway. Adam has also started his own company. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so what's some, the name? Uh, playground, uh, oh, playground, uh, play something studios. I don't know. Okay, I feel, okay. I'm feeling bad, no, but, uh, but it's, it's all good. Uh, I'm putting uh, yourself on the spot. <laughs> yeah, I know. he's, uh, he's, he's really, he's doing well. He's in Utah. And I was, I was so great to see all these people that knew it back ah. then that have become entrepreneurs and sort of grown into all our different things. So oh, it's great. Really uh, cool. I just saw like uh, Thomas Rippon's, uh, storm, storm VFX, uh, back in yep. uh, Norway. Man, the, the stuff, it's its kind of funny because you kind of feel the, the, the people behind the company. You know what I mean? Like uh, the type yep. of work they're getting and, and all whatnot. It's, it's, it's fun. And uh, yeah, it's funny to, to be surrounded by uh, people that are ended up at uh, Netflix, Marvel and, and whatnot. So it's, uh, it's a great, uh, I, I feel like uh, it's the uh, university time that I never really had. Like uh, everybody, like the class of whatever, 2003 and, and everybody's like split off and, and are now uh, in different uh, sphere. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so many amazing people grew to such incredible positions. I just saw that yeah. uh, Julian Levy, I don't know if you remember yeah. him. Uh, oh, of course. He's now like a vice president of VFX at Columbia. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, There's a yeah, Columbia yeah. Paramount. I don't remember, but it's like, oh, Paramount. Oh Paramount. Paramount. Yeah, no, right? I know. And uh, you, you take like uh, Jeff Bauman, Brian Grill. Uh, yep. All these guys uh, are all, uh, and uh, so even some people that just you know were on and off at DD that turned out like they, they started the company didn't work. Look at we, Victoria Alonso. <laughs> she's she was a DD producer. I, I, I <laughs> way know. Back in the day, I know. I yeah. know, and uh, that that. It's crazy, like all that person, uh, Jen, also uh, she's at Marvel, and uh, mm -hmm. all these these people is just, uh, it, and it was a really fun time to to be all together. Uh, yeah. I remember at one point we were really having a blast uh, working on all, all those shows. Oh yeah, for sure. So what was your last show at DD? <laughs> it was a uh, Speed Racer. Speed. Okay. Oh, so you were there yeah. a while. Yeah, I was, I think, uh, overall five years. Like, basically, I, I was there enough to see the uh, DD 2.0 happen. Mm -hmm. You know, I was there before, and then the uh, Michael Bay and uh, the venture right. buying digital domain. Right. Us so. getting new chairs. <laughs> <laughs> new chairs. I don't know why, but that, that was really funny. They just came in with, like, a, f a full bunch of... Uh, New, chair. new chairs and uh, 
you know, ours were, were getting apart. But uh, no, it was uh, it was crazy, crazy time. And it was actually good to actually like with Scott Ross and, and all these people. I would love to have, um, you know, a time machine and go back because being an entrepreneur now, it, it just looking back, it's such a different perspective on a lot of stuff. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's crazy. It's 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 interesting, you know, when you were just a little, when you and I were just, you know, artists over there, and we're seeing all this crazy stuff yeah. happening around us, and we're like, "This is crazy!" And it's like, well, "Oh my god, those decisions were made for <laughs> reasons." Yeah, no, know, exactly, and and the pressure that they had to deal with, you know, to make that happen. So yeah, yeah, and and being, you know, a partner with somebody like I know I, I I've been there like a, at the beginning, like having a partner, you need to weigh all decisions and and the company direction, so. Being yeah. in a, in a situation where everybody's like stuck in terms of decision making, it it must it must not be fun. Must not be fun. No, no, no. Nope. I I did um I did a recording with uh, Jeff Stringer. You remember Jeff Stringer oh, over at the yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Jeff was, you know, he had to make such tough decisions every day with artists and. And he just, you know, probably end up looking like the bad guy. But he, those are, those are things that he had to deal with all the time. So, and, and again, where the time travel comes in, like yeah. having a perspective back. Yeah, it's, it's uh, wow. These guys were amazing. Like you were talking about Julian Levy. Yeah, I still remember as one of the good good producer that was there, and uh, mm -hmm. you know, I, he was really my favorite. Great. Yeah, my, my favorite moment with him is being in dailies. We were like the entire crew and people were fiddling about the few pixels and he turned around, well, this shot has been approved, so get everybody out because it's got <laughs> costing me money. And that was the first time I, I heard like money at one point uh, right. being mentioned, which which it, it is money. Being an entrepreneur now, it's wow. Yeah. Like the, the the amount of money having like a hundred people sit there and just watch, I, I would. Uh, yep, yep. Uh, I think we're good. <laughs> I remember at one point. The, this is before I was in visual effects. I was working at uh, at uh, Gensler, the architecture firm. This was years and years and years ago, obviously. But the way Gensler was organized is they had studios within the larger company. So they made little pods. So one of our studios, and each studio had its own vice president that would run that and they would each work on projects. And so our studio probably had about 30 or 40 people or something like that. So some, our, our vice president was her birthday. And so the second was like, oh, let's all get to the conference room and surprise her for her birthday. Well, she was running late. So we're sitting there in a the conference room for like, 20 minutes waiting for it to arrive and someone's like let's calculate the billable hours for <laughs> exactly <laughs> people sitting at their desk you know not oh working for 20 minutes 40 people is like that's a lot of waiting <laughs> oh yeah and and at one point you're like you blame it on the cake like everybody take that 50 uh 50 dollar uh, cake piece here you go <laughs> exactly. that's much how it, how it cost yeah that's good that's good Okay, so so you were you were there uh, up until Speed Racer. I'm assuming you have worked on Speed Racer the, uh, the whole time. That was that was no, a, that no, was a I, tough show. Oh, you, yeah, you it, it was a tough show. No, I did. I I think I went after the trailer. Uh, we decided, uh, me and my wife uh, at the time, we decided to move back to Montreal because okay. we just had the, my daughter and uh, she was right. uh, six seven. So we we decided to uh, go back and um, give a little bit of. Uh, action to the grandparents back right. in Montreal. 
so that that was the the call and the from that point on i had had passed an interview at the digital dimension which they were in uh yeah west hollywood at one point and uh, yeah. basically i was in charge of taking on uh, the movie the spirit as a comp Compositing supervisor, my first role as a compositing supervisor uh, in Montreal. So mm-hmm. I ended up um, with the crew, which I, I trained and uh, formed, and we basically uh, delivered like 370 something shots of uh, the spirit, all wow. green screen with CG and stuff. So it was a good time. And from there, I moved from company to company in Montreal. Uh, well, Montreal has grown quite a bit in the visual effects world over the last <laughs> several years, right? Yes, there, there's a lot of uh, movement, if I if I might say, in Montreal. I actually, uh, the, the last place I did uh, when I decided to start my own uh, business was uh, me not being in full accord in terms of um, how the the management of projects were being made. Like okay. in terms of like man hours, like uh, crazy hours. I mean, uh, and I had a, a small daughter recently divorced. So I was like, well, I need to leave at five. So that right. call you guys made about uh, doing 40 shots overnight for the client uh, the next day. I need to get my daughter from school. So I'm out, you know. Right. It's, uh, so it, since I was, you know, one of the... Uh, older i still feel i still feel like i'm the newbie at digital domain just so just so you know i, I haven't yeah, me changed too. but uh, <laughs> it, it's crazy every time i i see like uh, brian grill or or what or, or lou picora or, or right. whatever it's just i feel like uh, i'm the new guy on the block and uh, and uh, rob needlehorse that that's another uh, good character yeah. that was there at uh, digital domain so basically uh, i decided to because I, I had tried it in, in several places. Like I, I went back and from studios. Sometimes I went back and every time it was either fixing the same thing and, and not feeling like uh, I wanted to try it by myself to see, okay, why are we doing it this way? And I've been really, really hard of trying to find uh, with my company, like how do you change the way we do stuff in visual effects? And that's the whole point of me starting the company. When that, the fact that my daughter's Montreal, I can't just fly around like I used to. That's mm-hmm. another uh, big point. But um, so basically, how do you try to do uh, things differently in the industry, which is uh, it's a very hard uh, field to be in. It's not like uh, selling uh, items or, or, or coffee or, or food, which, you know, a per plate cost like uh, ours is a little bit more. Uh, well, can you change it to blue? Oh, uh, no, never mind red. And then, so that that's a uh, interesting way to, um, you know, a business and hourly uh, feature on how to charge uh, creativity, basically. So I have a lot of uh, gained respect for any uh, people that started a visual effects company in their lives. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure. I mean, it seems almost counterintuitive that you wanted to manage your hours better. So you start your own company, which... It's harder to manage your hours, isn't it? <laughs> it, it is. It is, and uh, I'm actually uh, and uh, and thanks again for having this uh, a little bit sooner because I, I'm leaving on uh, on Monday on vacation and uh, after working a very very busy year because we've been growing uh, from me and my two brothers to now we're we're almost ten. So that's mm-hmm. that's a lot of growth in a short uh, amount of time. So we're we're living with that and. Uh, but it's a fun ride. We're having a blast. We're laughing 
almost on a day, like daily basis. So it's it's uh, the environment I, I'm trying to create is uh, it's uh, it's pretty fun so far. All right. Well, all right. Well, okay. So now we've established why you started your own company, but let's give it a little yeah. bit of insight on Ticket. Tell me about, well, first of all, tell people the name of your company and what, what kind of stuff do you guys do? <laughs> so, so my, my company is called the Cluster. So it's a cluster.tv, the website where the website is uh, still under, <laughs> under construction. It's just a basic, uh, basic page to get, get us going because we're, we've been so busy. But, uh, so I started that in back in 2015. Okay. And, and it's actually interesting because uh, the reason why I started the company was trying to get out of visual effects. <laughs> right. I wanted, well, not entirely, but it was to try to create a uh, all-in-one. So basically from shoot to uh, finish. And from I wanted to get more into uh, directing. And basically at one point, like uh, being in Montreal, the market is really, uh, it, it was saturated back in the day. Now it's, it's, it's still saturated. It's all the same players just moving around. But the goal was really to get uh, from shoot to finish. And uh, I did that as a proof of concept, which was a, a, a commercial I did uh, called the Leva. It was for a private uh, uh, charter plane company. So I mm -hmm. basically uh, did the scenario and, and created the entire uh, the entire uh, commercial in-house uh, with Nuke and, and uh, you know, lighting. Back then it was Modo. I can't remember if I used Viri on it, but uh, it was just all all uh, all us that did from start to finish. So, and it was just for me to, to see the gain of um, how much do you save by doing it all internally? Because we mm -hmm. come from a day where I keep uh, reflecting on that uh, recently, where a show would be handled by one studio. Like we started to see the split uh, when, the, let's say, uh, the Golden Compass. Well, it was my first time seeing a show split between two studios uh, from Rhythm, Rhythm and News and us mm -hmm. back in the day that was like uh, doing a, a show split because before it was all ILM or all us. And you could see, kind of feel the signature of a studio. I, I don't know if you, you, you understand what I'm trying to say, like just... You could feel like, oh, okay, that's digital domain did this one, or or, or Ireland yes. did this one, and and then and suddenly uh, a migration of effects uh, artists from digital domain onto uh, Asylum that really shocked me because then Master and Commander had Amazing Water, but before it was a trait uh, mostly attributed to digital domain. Right. So then. So at one point, that that would really mark me because uh, you you see that it's really the indiv individuals that are really um, a big key factor in, in getting uh, you know shows out, and mm -hmm. I think uh, we're we're not totally losing that, but since there's a lot of movement because there's a lot of company, uh, like I don't feel like there's a team building like back in the day, like. Uh, it was almost a, like a privilege to work at Digital Domain or ILM or Sony at the time. It was really like, oh, wow, you made it, especially coming from uh, either out of state or, or out of country. So it was, a, it was a long road to get there. Now, since all the companies are really uh, all established all over the world, which is awesome, it's giving work, it's giving like an increase in terms of the technical knowledge, but uh, I think there's a... I feel that there's too much movement for, for my taste because uh, that's what I'm trying to build with Cluster is actually finding people that were going to try to slowly build that company culture and get 
a team up to like a two, three years of working together. And we're going to feel like, hey, we've been uh, working together. And that's uh, the, the re resulting company real will be the work of those individual who has been who have been there for a while, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, I, so you, you think that there's currently a lot of people just moving from one company to the next constantly all over the place, right? Yeah. And, and also what's, what's really, uh, I, I think, uh, dangerous in terms of, uh, I, again, it's a artist market. I love the fact that, you know, it's, it's great for artists, but the issue is that a person will move and move and move and get, uh, you know, salary augmentation, but the skill set is not following, you know yep. what I mean? Like I, I, even after what, 23, 24 years of being in the industry, I still feel like a junior because I'm still learning. I'm still, you know, um, I did a full project uh, using V-Ray by myself. I had my small render farm installed and it was my first time doing GPU. I think I reached out at one point. Yeah, to I you, think you uh, did. Yeah. yeah. And and basically I was like, oh my God, okay, my I... I you know, had Fire running on Modo, and then I transitioned back to Maya, and because uh, the release were faster, the <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> 3D Studio would get the first, uh, you know, betas, and and then uh, so I, I decided to uh, go back to Maya and uh, use the cloud rendering, the physical here rendering, depending on the project. But it was I'm still learning, and now I've been venturing into Unreal. Mm -hmm. So it's 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 all like all these little pieces all together that. Uh, I feel like I'm still a student of uh, our industry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That Well, same here. I'm always, the thing that I'm trying to do is I'm trying to invent new things. Like what if we did this? And like, and then I was like, I don't even know how I'd do that. You know, well, that's the thing, the <laughs> yeah. thing, I think that's the thing that's nice about visual effects is that, you know, by almost by definition, uh, everything we do is supposed to look like something you've never seen before. So it means you have to invent everything you're doing, <laughs> right? Uh, constantly. And then it's a, it's exciting and it's exhausting at the same time. I feel like, uh, because like, Oh, right. I mastered this. What do you mean? There's another software that, <laughs> oh, right. damn. And, and you go and it's all about time and speed and, and whatever, like uh, the artists are comfortable using because, uh, you know that's why uh, right now I'm I, I've hired like a professional like Python scripting guys and and people looking at my server and my security and stuff and revising everything. But I'm, right. I'm paying for them because it'll take me like two three years to get to there at that point. And in a lot of cases, they do that in 15 minutes. So it's uh, right. It's a pretty interesting uh, expertise as its uh, value. Yeah. Well, there is. So, so there's a lot of work out there right now as well, obviously, right? Because there's so yeah. many things going on. So where, where, how are you, how, when you start a company like you did, how do you find your first customers? How do you find your first, like, how does that Actually, work? Actually, it, it was kind of weird because the, the first like uh, three years of having the company, I had a partner, then uh, he left, I had to rebuy his share. And uh, basically we were testing out the commercial uh, scene here because that's that's the format we wanted to do, like short format with some visual effects if needed. But uh, it was never like a question of like forcing the client to have visual effects in their work. It's mostly like where can you save costs and actually get the product that you're looking for. Mm -hmm. So um, 
So I, we did that a few few times. Then I did a little bit of freelance when it was really uh, slow through my company and certain uh, certain uh, visual effects company in Montreal. I did some commercial work for them, like as a standalone guy doing stuff. Um, so that's how it really started. Then some editorial, some shooting, some drone. So we, we ventured a, a few. Then at one point, the I saw that the market was really slow-ish. So uh, and we had like tested a few uh, VR uh, VR uh, project. So I ended up in a uh, VR startup, which they hired me as a, um, a consultant mm-hmm. to get those visual effects. It was for that uh, Tom Cruise VR um, Mummy Return Zero G scene. Right. And basically, at one point, uh, what was fun about the project is that at one point they asked me if there was a way to do the uh, Universal logo in a very short amount of time for a very small budget. And basically, I was responsible of doing the entire rendering and compositing for that uh, Universal opening, uh, Universal logo opening uh, for that wow. uh, VR piece, which was intense. I, I don't remember sleeping in six days, but... <laughs> right. And I was uh, about to have my my uh, second child at the time, so it was uh, intense. And uh, right. th- and uh, so that's how it, it evolved. And then it's just kind of contacting people once in a while for you know small sequences and stuff. And uh, had conversation with presidents of uh, larger companies at one point, and uh, they kind of like, oh, we love what you do. They kind of put me in touch with their production team. Nothing really like came out of it, like. One project came out of it, but uh, the, the time frame and the uh, location was a, an issue at the, the at the time. But yeah, slowly building towards that, uh, we got small independent films, which were we're doing a, a nice uh, little project uh, western right now. Uh, can't say the name, but uh, so we're we're doing a, a small project. But uh, since since uh, last year, uh, we we really grown with uh, very. Um, we're really thankful for those uh, clients that really relaunched the uh, cluster into where, where it is uh, right now. And uh, some new clients came in uh, because we did work uh, for a television series, a uh, local show, uh, doing mm-hmm. like face rejuvenissement. Uh, 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 help me. Oh, uh, oh uh, 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 rejuvenation or. or uh, yeah, uh, there you Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There you go. So, so basically, we, that that was a two and a half D slash. Uh, we we use a few uh, techniques. We've been mm-hmm. starting to use AI a lot uh, here at Cluster. So that's that's a very interesting uh, interesting field. Yeah, yeah. So we're we're really touching. Like we're. That's why it took a while, like uh, to get where we're at. But uh, we've been, you know, on all those series that we got, like uh, just. My brother, uh, which is not a, he's a our VFX producer, basically mm-hmm. was doing a, a shot count since last September. And for our small VFX boutique, mind you, it's not you know Marvel type shots, but we did uh, seven hundred plus shots since September. So it's on multiple like shows, and That's awesome. uh, you know we're we're kind of and and now because we've been waiting for Python three. To be really established in all the, uh, of our current software, and now we're we're building a pipeline from scratch using Python three. So that means we're using the latest Nuke, the latest Aftrack, the latest uh, Unreal. So everything's mm-hmm. like really rebuilding f- now from scratch into a 
2022 pipeline, which I kind of like, <laughs> right? Because it, because it's really limiting being in a, a larger studio because you have so many tools and all everything's all uh, integrate uh, integrate to, together as a uh, full fully uh, working uh, system. So uh, changing a s- software version can be sometimes uh, daunting. Yeah. I don't know if you remember that from uh, our DD days, but uh, we would get like, uh, oh yeah, oh. People like uh, over at the intercom, stop using the latest version of Nuke. Roll back, please. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yep. that was a uh, pretty fun. Or races down. That was one right. of my favorite. Yeah, the, the rendering uh, software. That was uh, awesome. Rob Niederhorst was the worst about that. So I was I I I worked with Rob Niederhorst at, at one of a, a small company that was started called Speedshape. I don't have to remember Speedshape. Yeah. Oh yeah, I remember. But he had set it up because it was Rob to. Literally every night he set up a script that would download the latest nightlies of V-Ray, not even beta, just the nightlies, install it oh on God. every computer. <laughs> that is crazy. It's so dangerous. <laughs> it, it, it is in certain ways, but uh, I'm I'm a bit like that. Like uh, I would I I'm holding the versions to the latest uh right. the version we started in, but then we move on to the next because uh in a lot of cases, the gain you're getting from either new tools or whatever is is uh, quite significant. Sin- significant in terms of artist time. Yeah, because I I do count artist time now. <laughs> yeah, and and the price of sitting somebody at a desk is also a very conscious decision to add somebody at the studio is quite yeah. expensive. <laughs> yeah, you know, pe- uh, at one point I I think uh, and. I also did uh, a little bit of teaching at the, the school I I, uh, the, I mentioned earlier, the Nat Center. Oh, okay. And, uh, and it was a you know small um, upgrade courses or whatever. But one thing I would do is sit down and and actually talk about work ethics, you know, mm-hmm. because a lot of uh, young people would come out of school and they're like, oh my god, this is great. Versus me back at, at Digital Domain, I was like, you know, Chris Nichols, IMDb. Worked on that, or you know, <laughs> right. uh, or or uh, I remember um, Jonathan Eckstad or or, or uh, Kelly right. Port, and and you're like googling, and I'm like, I remember like uh, the first few months, I was like, oh my god, I'm working next to these guys, <laughs> you know. Yeah. It, it, it was it, for for me, I was a, a fan of everybody I worked with. Uh, uh, that every company I've worked at, I was fan of you know uh, people that had more experience than me. And uh, yeah. Well, did so you see the Oscar uh, nominations this year? It was all those guys. I know, I know. <laughs> and, and you're like, I wish you all. <laughs> yeah, Brian Grill, uh, Kelly Port, like, and, uh, Paul, uh, Paul Lambert. Lambert. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, they're all those guys, and they were yeah, all I know. there. I was like, oh my and, god. So yeah, they it was it was funny. I was at the VES earlier this year, and they wow. were they were all there. At the party, right? Oh my. I saw Brian Grill, and of course, Brian, you know, he's like a big teddy bear. He comes over and yep. gives you this huge hug, right? Uh, yeah. And I yep. said, and I went, I want to say congratulations on being nominated for an Oscar, but instead I said, congratulations on winning the Oscar. And he yelled and he looked at <laughs> Kelly Porter, was right there. He says, You see, Chris said I won. It's <laughs> <So, laughs> like, uh, oh, I'm sorry, sorry. <laughs> Kelly was like, What are you talking about? <laughs> Uh, that, that was fun. I actually uh, met uh, with uh, Jonathan Eckstad and um, mm-hmm. Jessica Harris and uh, yes. Brian Grill at Vancouver uh, back in two, uh, uh, what, 
two, three years, four years ago, actually. Okay. Years, my God. Yeah. And, and uh, actually, that's when, that's a funny story. I actually, from that SIGGRAPH trip, I actually was at the airport looking at Facebook and I'm like, I was looking for a space for, for my company because I, I needed with the newborn, I needed to get out of the house. Right. <laughs> and um, so basically I was looking for a space and um, I saw on Facebook, oh, there's a studio for sale with the green screen and stuff. And I'm like, and I just finished SIGGRAPH and I saw like the Unreal Engine going with, uh, with uh, Epic Games and ILM. And I was like, oh my God, this is the first time I'm looking at something that it might happen that the, 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 finally the switch that people have been talking for the last 25 years, <laughs> right. that the games are going to actually get up to par. And so I saw that uh, little green screen studio. I said, hey, let's go visit. I made an offer and, and took back the uh, green screen uh, studio equipment. And basically now I'm all set up with all the way to the eye so I can actually shoot. I have my small mocap like camera studio on the other side. Of course, it's the basic, but right. I'm by myself, you know, and right. now with with a team and, and we're going to slowly grow uh, towards that and uh, we'll see what happens uh, next. That's amazing. That's amazing. Uh, so how did, how did, uh, how did the pandemic affect you when you were doing stuff? Like for the two years, obviously it must have been, was it different? Like what, how, what, what, how did that work for you guys? So basically 2019, I managed to get a uh, Netflix project, which was oh, nice. great. It was it was me with my brother doing like thirty something shot of snow cleaning cleaning up for uh, Spencer Confidential with Mark Wahlberg. So mm -hmm. we did small shots like this, and uh, with a uh, after meeting um, somebody from Netflix that was doing the tour in Montreal, I had you know written to them a little bit uh, before, and basically they showed up and hey put put us in touch, and we started that. So 2019 with the newborn and everything, it was my second, my third child, sorry. And uh, he was just born. So the, that production was really intense, especially uh, for sleeping hours as a new dad. Mm -hmm. And uh, basically we finished 2019. Then we got another project uh, going from a studio that I will mention, but it, it, it was great co collaboration. And uh, so I finished 2019. I'm burnt because new dad and everything. We go on vacations to, to France to rest. That's where I'm actually going on Monday and mm -hmm. my spouse family. And uh, I, I thought to myself, great, 2019 people, it's done. And we didn't have that many clients, but I, I talked to myself, oh, that's great. I'll, I'll touch back with Netflix or, or and other clients coming back from the new, new year. It's going to be great. Mm -hmm. Come back 2020. Usually January is really slow in terms of commercial work and everything. And basically pandemic hit. So we had a, a, like a few shoots because I, I did the um, rental in my studio. Uh, so that kind of kept me alive and government aid uh, helped us um, a lot. But the problem with that is that there, there was no real time frame of when you get back. So mm -hmm. originally it was like, the first few months, it was like, oh, by June, it's going to, everything is going to be fine. But then getting close to June, you're like, mm, it's not going. So you're like, you know what? September. And then, yeah. So basically uh, during that summer, I, I've adjusted so that we could do broadcasts of what was being shot with a minimal crew so that uh, people outside the studio could actually watch uh, what was going on. 
and whatnot. And um, I did also like CG work using V-Ray for like product stuff. So that was pretty cool, like uh, uh, some of my clients. So, but then like in retrospective, all these little contracts, like, yes, kept me alive, but it was really hard because everything stopped, all the shooting stopped. So by the time everything got back up, I was like, oh my God, this is probably me shutting down. But something told me like, keep at it just a little bit longer, keep at it just a bit. After hearing that every day and, and basically um, since last year, everything, be, because it's like uh, what happened, especially in Montreal and everywhere in the world, usually the studios have like one project and the other or two projects in, in the studio shooting but it's only that kind of like one, two, and then the two next or one next and then and and mm-hmm. like this. But what happened with the pandemic is a slingshot effect. Everybody was at the door because during those two years, people managed to actually got their project greenlit. Mm-hmm. So all the all the studio capacities were full and people at the door knocking. So basically the the post-production work kind of like went from the larger studios to the mid-side studios and then it basically all the smaller uh, independent films are now and series are going through us and uh, the uh, relationship where we uh, built with our clients is, is really good. And the way we work, uh, we really uh, found new ways to optimize uh, our work process to be uh, competitive and, 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 you know, affordable to our clients. So that's, that's a, that was a big piece of uh, the puzzle. Now we're working on the, adding more artists. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think it's interesting. You're right. Because it's not, it's, it's not just that, uh, all the, all this work is happening is streaming became super popular during the pandemic because people were stuck at home. Yeah. Right. And so, it, and now, now there's so much demand for filling up the streaming networks, you know? And, and, and not only that, it's, it's, and that's something I was observing and that's why I kind of started Cluster back in the day because you, you were looking at the graphic of the investments of the big studios and I was like, there's no way that once like all the, the studio in place will absorb the work. And if even if they could, the quality keeps getting higher and higher and higher so that at one point something had had to like trickle, like trickle down to mm-hmm. smaller studios. And, and that's what we're seeing happening is that smaller studios are getting smaller shows. But for, for us, we're, as long as I'm having fun and that the people that work with me are having fun, for me, it's, it's, uh, it's the, uh, the base uh, re- requisite uh, for me. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I think it's really, really, really interesting. And it's great. I'm glad you're doing that. I'm glad you, and I'm also glad you're sort of supporting some of those smaller projects those independent projects right oh, yeah. people that need those that need that work and they have places to uh to, to that can help them and i know your work is excellent so uh yeah. that's great that's great thanks. thanks um okay i do i am curious a little to, I, so you've obviously started you know you're talking about modernizing your studio and getting all your software up to date and doing things and yeah. you're starting to look thing at things in uh, in unreal for example what are you what 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 is what is your thoughts what are your thoughts about using game engines and and where that's going at this point actually especially since uh, i'm doing all the r&d work and uh, now i'm and i have other interests that are going to help me get it it's a it's a lot more complicated uh, to do because uh, what I'm trying to build is to have 
the ability to shoot cameras and shoot live action also at the same time. Because I think just the research of doing that will be enough for us to actually pinpoint other uh, issues or, or get into a R&D place where most people, because out of the box, it's great. Like I, I, I remember playing with uh, some uh, ready asset and I did uh, this X-Wing shot from scratch. Like, of course, I had all the models asset access to a Quixel Megascan, but building a shot in four hours <laughs> with lighting and animating and adding sound to my little piece was like, oh, four hours. But the thing is, like, I haven't gone to a quality level yet to see where to see where it breaks. But then Unreal Engine 5 came in and they're like, okay, and I've been using a lot of V-Ray for the past, like, three years mm-hmm. um, to as a, because I have, I have, like, eight GPU cards rendering uh, my, and I've been using uh, Chaos Clouds uh, for commercial work, mm-hmm. which works great because it's the ease of use. Since I don't, I didn't have a TD uh, at the time uh, uh, to help me uh, with the rendering or, or whatever, so that was a s- the smoothest thing you can have. Like send to cloud, mm-hmm. check your layer. What do you want? Send, submit, email. Oh, ready? Download. Hey, it's ready. Right. You know, you can't you can't beat that uh, formula. So so right. far, it's the smoothest formula in terms of cloud rendering that I found. Uh, <laughs> I, and I've tried a few, like I tried um, Zinc Render at one point. I tried, uh, you know, a few, few others. Um, uh, that was mainly for Nuke. But uh, so those are all things. But at one point, uh, you need a TD to move the plates, move the scene, move the that. So they, there's something that breaks. So having a all-in-one formula with the Chaos Cloud was huh, was awesome. great for me, at least. That's cool. So uh, yeah, and uh, I've that's actually what been, I've been playing. Using. I've been playing a lot with uh, V-Ray for Unreal and seeing how I can make that I work. I tried it. Yeah. yeah. And, and basically my take uh, was that for 4.27 was to use Unreal Engine to get to, what, 80%, but have the shaders. And that was the complicated part where I kind of stopped because then the work, the VFX work kind of uh, really started to uh, swamp me. Right. But uh, it was uh, getting um, to a point with Unreal and then use the V-Ray engine I, I did a few tests which which was great i was like hey you can actually do that afterwards and and which which for me was great so i'll have that- to tell you i've i can't i can't i'm not going to put it on, on the podcast but i'll tell you after we finish recording some of the cool stuff okay <laughs> but okay <I'll> be perfect <laughs> be fun. but it's cool so so what i mean so what is there what is your main purpose in looking at unreal are you looking at for like a uh, uh, virtual art department are you looking at it for virtual production are you looking at it for uh, Actually, I'm act, I'm actually looking at it as a quick because again, like building a scene and, and seeing the lighting and adjusting everything in real time. And another piece that really uh, sold that to me was uh, the, the uh, Meerkat demo that the Weta did. Mm-hmm. Because you looked at, I looked at it in YouTube, and I'm like, okay, yeah, that's an animation short. Oh, that's great. There's hair because that was the big, you know, real time hair and stuff. But then they gave the scene for free to download, and I opened that up. And as a lighter, I was like, right. that was really exciting because you could actually play in real time in 4K on my OLED screen that particular short with sound in real time and then make adjustments, which for me, that was really the, the big, like another extra stuff of like, you know what? 
let's explore that. But the problem, well, the problem for for us at least is that it's it's a curve because I've I'm seeing a lot of Unreal project. You know, they do it. Everybody comes together, and then the expertise leave, and then they redo something. It they do it, and then it stops. But there's no like really repetitive uh, studios doing besides the big ones actually doing um, at a repetition all that Unreal Engine work and, and VFX work. But I do want to explore in terms of VFX because at least for, for our clients, like the more independent film, it might get them up to a point uh, like 90% there of what they're looking for. Sure. So, that, that's, uh, so that's why I'm saying it's not really something. It's just how to be cost effective and also at the same time uh, getting um, getting the people I work with trained towards that and, and being versatile, like uh, even if it's just to keep them their minds sh- uh, sharp because if you stop learning and you're used to, well, I use Maya for 20 years and this is the way we've been doing it for the last 20 years. That's the kind of attitude I'm trying to avoid. I'm trying to have curious people no matter what the age. Yeah. So... Um, so that's really one thing uh, I'm trying to not only like sit down and press these button. It's like, you know what? Sit down. If you're interested in that, at share with the people and, and grow the team that I miss about DD. I miss that particular moment of like having people with, work with the same people for three years and say, hey, we're doing uh, awesome work, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's interesting. I Well, was the, and you're definitely right about, you know, being you said it's an artist market before but it's but if you're an unreal person you're like a unicorn right now (laughs) you know know? and so uh, it's really really challenging one of the other things that someone uh, i was talking to uh to jonathan gerber remember jonathan gerber yes i Uh, actually (laughs) saw him at sigraph yeah yeah. he he was telling me you know he's the, the problem he's dealing with unreal is the whole versioning system, right? Because you have to use Perforce, et cetera. And that, and that is very different way of thinking compared to most uh, uh, most visual effects studios who are uh, yes. mostly thinking about versions, you know, like version one, version two, or whatever, or just Not opening exactly. up a file. So what's what are your thoughts of, on, on that? Is how, how hard is that transition for you? <laughs> well, actually, that that's why what I'm saying is that that's where I stopped my R&D. Well, that and the fact that you know, visual effects uh, work came in and uh, kept me really busy. But uh, mm-hmm. basically, I was up to the point where my camera was syncing with the engine, so I could film with the Vive tracker. So I have everything going next. Got the door. same thing going on right here. I know, I know. <laughs> with, with, which which is awesome. And the the next step would be like a Rococo suit and have fun with that. But yeah, but you're right, and that's actually the point where you basically need to actually think about how you're going to do this from because it's again, you know, you can have one scene, you can have three people working on it, so you can have like a plane yeah. with HDR sky, but then one guy adds, you know, mountains in the back, and the other guys add the buildings, and so it's a total, total new way. But that's why I, I'm saying I really want to explore because. For a client having all the sequencers and all your shots ready to be able mm-hmm. to iterate like that, so you get you know. Your well, it's going to be quicker. much more like being on set, right? Because you're going to have yeah. like some guy lighting this and some guy doing this, and I mean, I think that's one of the ideas behind Omniverse as well. You know, to think about yeah. what Omniverse is doing. So, 
but yeah, I, I saw I, a few tests. It's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I think, I think it's the idea that you, what, what's the, the, the analogy I do, uh, I like to think about real time. It's like, I want to be able to make the decision when I take my mouse button up, right. As opposed to version one, version two, version like, no, no, yeah. no, no, no. Yeah, there, there. Beep, perfect. Yeah. And then yeah. there is no version. It's just, you decided it <laughs> right there. No, exactly. But then of course, being, you know, the industry and the client reviews and stuff, it's still a thing. But mm-hmm. again, it's it's getting uh, all the studios to actually ad- uh, adopt that kind of real-time stuff because I'm seeing cool stuff coming out of Blender now. I'm seeing, mm-hmm. you know, it really, it comes down to who's behind the machine, then mm-hmm. the, the pipeline to support the type of projects you're doing. So that's why having um, Unreal Engine and exploring how to work with that because I have a way of thinking like, oh, well, you get your scene and then you start building and then you just save scene one, scene two. But how does it translate to the rest of the team? Because it's great when you work together. Uh, right. Sorry, by yourself. Right. But when you work with 20 people or a director or specific shots, then how do you get to version those? How do you, do you roll back if, you know what, version five was better than six, you know? Well, that's what Perforce so, is all for, but it's it's not in. It, we don't think it, that way. No, it, <laughs> game exactly. game designers think that way. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and that's the other thing is that getting uh, uh, game developers. That's what I'm hearing from other studios venturing into the Unreal uh, platform. Right. Is that even them getting somebody from games with that particular thinking, working with VFX with the other thinking? So you need again. I feel like the compositing lighting department, that's since I touch lighting, so I, I could talk to uh, both. So that's right. why me trying on Real Engine right now, I'm actually taking all the pieces and trying to, to bridge the gap between the two because it, it's, again, it's not the same thinking and, and it's all based on your clients. If your mm-hmm. clients are not looking for versioning, then you're good. If you have a, a very... Uh, experienced uh, director that's used to the old way well that pipeline needs to to work all in one so that's that's uh, I, I'm looking forward to see what's going to be made but uh, I'm definitely going to start uh, keep exploring that um, yes <laughs> I think so I, I think I think the other thing that I think is exciting for me and I don't know if maybe I'm just being romantic about it but they you know directors, they used to, you know, when they would shoot a big Marvel film or whatever, they'd sit in front of just miles of green screen or blue screen, right? And everything behind there, they had to imagine what it was going to look like in their head. And hopefully in six to nine months, they will see it. Uh, and the, I don't, with, with real-time technology and virtual production stuff, that's not going to be the case anymore. They can say, oh, and I mean, you know, even if it's not the final frame, they can look at it and go, that's, no, let's do that. And so all those decisions on set can happen and it's going to give it so much more information for the post-production process. Well, just a test that I did uh, by myself, it was basically me shooting a a prop like a, on, on Vimeo, I have it, and it's basically me with the green screen being shot, being rendered and keyed yep. in real time in Unreal Engine, and then back onto my monitor, which I would see what I'm filming, and then the other was recording a green screen at the same time, but it's it's managing 
all of that information on a per take basis and on the, the fact that, okay, version eight was the good one. How do you process the cam? How do you get everything up to the other departments? So that's, right. that's something that uh, is going to be uh, interesting, but you're right. Like I've been watching uh, Star Trek, uh, Strange New Worlds, which mm -hmm. the sets are amazing. The, it's the first show that I really enjoyed the Unreal uh, virtual production, but mm -hmm. you can actually see what's going on and it's great. And I think uh, the decision bit making being um, at the beginning is awesome. The fact that all the departments need to talk to each other is awesome uh, because right. before it was really well post well post instead yeah. of being in the discussion at the beginning. Right. And I think even for smaller production, having uh, access to, let's say, a smaller studio like ours, at one point we were discussing with a client to actually do the entire previs of a film. So then that person with a limited budget can actually take that film and go and get more financing because you have something, uh, something to show versus, again, two hours of green screen, which is really <laughs> right. hard to sell to most people, right. even the banks, you know, it's like, yeah, there's going to be a spaceship and this, and that costs $250,000. <laughs> and then this other one, there's, you know, yeah. it's hard, but with that kind of technology, I think it's going to open up and probably introduce a lot more uh, new uh, directors and, and create creators out there. Yeah. So it's a exciting future, I think. For sure. For sure. Well, this is very exciting. Uh, I mean, I appreciate uh, you coming on and, and being able to share all the great stuff you guys are doing. Uh, so, what we'll you know we'll make sure to put your 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 website up on our. I, I know you said it's oh, still great. on construction. We'll put it up on the podcast page. Oh, it's 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 manageable. It's manageable. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but it's really cool. And you know, it's uh, if I ever go to Montreal, I'm definitely going to come up to see you. Uh, it's gonna. I know I have. I, I haven't started traveling that much since the pandemic, but at some point I'm going to start traveling again. So I'll definitely come yeah. to see you. But if you're ever in LA, please come by. Let me know. Oh, yes. Yes, I definitely will. Hey, Chris, thanks for having me on, uh, on the show. It's really an honor for me and uh, like a real pleasure uh, talking to you again. So it's uh, feel like the old days. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Great.